0: I haven't talked to you in so long, even though it's only been a couple of days. I know. Pretty
1: wild. Uh, I think it's been busy, though. What
0: you been on? Just working and stuff, and then just trying to, like, get everything together for, um, because I leave, like, next week to go back to school and stuff, so just trying Ooh. to, like, get things together for all that. Um, mm. What about you? You've been packing and stuff,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I leave on Friday, so... Mostly it's just closed because I was subleasing all the rest of the stuff, so. Yeah. Dang. How you feeling about going back to campus? Um, I feel like, like, I'm
0: ready to be there, but it's also just like, it's, like, settling in that I'm, like, not about to see nobody for, like, three months, four months. Big facts, yeah. Because <clears throat> there's not about to be no, like, family weekend or nothing like that. mm You better say so bye, bye to like- them now. <laughs> Yeah, nah, fact. Like, so I've been trying to like spend more time of uh, like your family and stuff now. I'm trying my best to. So we'll see.
1: Are a lot of your friends still gonna be on campus in the fall, or do they opt to stay home?
0: Um, I think like a good a good bit of mine are still gonna be there. A lot of people are like deciding to live off campus now. Um, yeah. But still like in the New Haven area, so sort it'd of be good to like. I mean, I'm sure it had to be like cautious or whatever about like how we do stuff but still like be able to see people even if it's just for, like a little bit so that'll be nice dope what <sighs> i was a big huff you tired
1: child i'm over here sitting outside as usual you know me and <laughs> <laughs> just realized the spot i settled in has been freshly fertilized so i smell nothing but cow poop and it's
0: oh very tragic awkward. yeah
1: <laughs> <That's so> awkward <laughs> <laughs> ah but nevertheless you ready to do this yeah i'm good so there's this thing called corona miss rona COVID 19 whatever you call it happening right now um and it's a completely different world since, what, January, February? I don't even remember when it started. It feels yeah. like we've been in here for eons and eons.
0: <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally.
1: Um, Jalen, do you remember where you were when you first found out about it or how you found out about it?
0: Yeah, so um, for Koli, like, I mean, uh, so the, when everything started really going crazy, when it was our spring break, so it was like the first week of March, um, that yeah. we like finished up classes and things like that, and then, so packed up and I had actually I went down to Florida for, uh, the first week of spring break to stay in my aunt's apartment with like some of my friends, cool, or not her apartment but her house, but with some of my boys, um, from school. So, but I mean like before we flew out there, my mom was like get gloves, get hand sanitizer and all that. So, like, that was, like, the first time I was, like, even was really, like, considering it at all. Um, But then we flew down there, and we were there. And, like, I think we got there on a Saturday or a Sunday. And so then, like, Monday, I think some schools started canceling, and then it was more, like, a ticking time bomb type thing. And then my man's Rudy Gobert um, Mm. tested positive, and the world shut down. (laughs) And we were like, (laughs) oh,
1: This is crazy. It's all Rudy <laughs> Gobert. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, it's that's just how it seemed because he tested positive. And then, like the NBA closed, and then it was just like everything was like shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down. I was yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, no, nah, that's where I was. I was in Florida, and it was just, but, but it was like with that. Like I definitely like thank God that I got that news. Like wow I was there with my friends, because like mm, now yeah. I. I haven't seen nobody from, like, from the school and nothing since March. So, like, it was nice to be able to have been with them, like, when the news broke and stuff like that, to, like, be around the guys and stuff like that. What about you? Wait, so you went to Florida
1: and then went straight back to home, like, South Carolina? You didn't go back to campus?
0: Nah, yeah, because we get get two weeks off for spring break anyways, like, I bet, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the original plan was to, I was going to be in Florida for that first week and then go home for the second week and then... Um, go up to just go back to school, so like I already had it like a return trip home and everything like that. So basically, oh. I just like returned home and then never returned. To Wait, school type thing.
1: your stuff still in your dorm? How does that work?
0: Yeah, so uh, like a good majority of my stuff is still in my room. We're actually like when I think it was June hit, they started to like open it up for like select appointments, um, yeah. to go and get stuff. So I Went up. I think it was, like, the first weekend, and I went up to New Haven to, once like, go and participate in some of, like, the protests and stuff going on, because I was, like, still when a lot of the protests were, like, big um, and yeah. stuff like that, and it was, like, really uh, giving a lot of momentum, so I wanted to, like, be up there to be with some and, like, just support some of the community organizers that we knew up there. For sure, yeah. And then uh, it just, like, worked out well, because, like, those were over the weekend, and then I got my stuff, like, on a Monday. And then just, like, drove back home with my dad. So I got, like, I got some things, but it wasn't really nothing crazy just because, like, I knew I didn't really need stuff like that. And so I wasn't going to take everything down just to bring it back up. So I just got, like, a couple of clothes and things like that. But besides that, it was, like, pretty calm. So, like, a lot of my stuff is still in my room. So I'm actually trying to. That's
1: crazy. Like, you never fully moved out. Uh -uh. I didn't realize that till now.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. nah. So a lot of that stuff is still there, and I'm actually trying to figure out if I'm gonna be able to get it. Um, so I'm moving back to school next week. Um yeah. and leaving. I'm supposed to leave. We're leaving here on Wednesday. Um, to go to my sister's apartment in Philly first and get mm-hmm. some stuff because I'm staying off campus this year upcoming. And Check you sorry, out, growing up. <laughs> amen, man, amen, man, same man. But nah. Uh, so I'm gonna use some of her stuff in my room. Uh, but then once we get there on Thursday, I'm trying to go. And like get my stuff from my room in order to take it to my apartment. New apartment or yeah. whatever. But since we're from um coming from South Carolina, we're supposed to do like a like 14 day quarantine thing. Oh um, yeah. Cause like a hot spot uh, state and stuff. So um gotta try to figure out if I can get a test on like Monday. Um because mm. so that I can cause it has to be like you have to test negative within 72 hours. So hopefully I actually just went and took a test today. I know got violated. Yeah, it's,
1: <laughs> it's I uncomfortable. I went last week and I was like, yo, this is not the move at all, but
0: oh my gosh. Definitely
1: worth it. It's oh only like five God. seconds, but so uncomfortable. Oh my and I don't gosh. think I realized that breathing through my nose made it worse. So when the doctor like stuck the q tip up there, I pretty much choked myself and it was completely avoidable. Very ridiculous.
0: Oh my gosh, it was so trash. Like, I was like I was damn you're balling I was like oh my gosh <laughs> this is, what is this what is going on uh, that's
1: hilarious so
0: yeah dang. but now, so now I gotta try and get a follow up test on Monday just cause like since I did it today it's not within the like 72 hours of departure or whatever so I gotta try to get mm. a test on Monday or Tuesday
1: dang I hate to have you do it again but I'm glad you are it's responsible of you wish
0: more people were that serious about it. I right, man. Yeah. Nah, I guess, yeah, like, with that, I guess you could talk a little bit about where were you when you first found out, but then also, like, how do you feel about just people taking it seriously overall? And, like, I said, like, South Carolina is a hot spot state, but that's because half the people here just walking around with no masks and big groups, like, yeah. it is nothing going on. So, yeah, just what are your thoughts on that?
1: So I was on my way to Paris one of my friends was studying abroad there and it happened to be a long weekend so I went over there and she didn't have class I didn't have class a couple of our friends study in Spain but it's over there and I remember before I left my mom was like be careful Um, Paris just got it's first confirmed case of COVID-19 and I want to make sure you're safe and so I'm thinking in the back of my head okay mom you know one confirmed case this is really not hooping and hollering worthy like calm down so I get back and what a difference a couple of weeks makes because right. then that's when the Ivy league canceled the rest of the sports seasons. And I was covering men's basketball for the Brown Daily Herald. So they were all up in arms. They didn't make the league tournament, but they were going to do just like a non NCAA post-season tournament that's canceled. Not to mm. mention all the seniors on the spring sports. So like baseball, softball, just completely stripped away their final season and I'm mad because me and my friends were about to go to Jamaica for spring break. And I'm tight because Brown's spring break is so late. So ours was like March 22nd. Oh, dang. I know. So we didn't even have a chance to get on the plane and hear about it in Jamaica. It was like, no, you actually just can't go at all. Yeah. So I, when I found out that Brown was kicking students out and sending them home or you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here situation. Fact. CNN had already reported it three or four hours earlier and I was like this is grimy y'all over here communicating with news outlets but the current students can't get a heads up so a lot of us were mad about that and then so they originally gave us like 10 days to move out and then I think there was a confirmed case or someone was exposed to it near campus whatever and so they shortened the time to like three days you have to be out And it was on a Monday. I was like, no, it was on a Tuesday. And I was like, I don't know if my parents can get off work because for every move in and move out, they've always driven over from Michigan and got all my stuff and driven me back. We're a road trip family. So we really like that. And thank God they like took off work and everything ended up being fine. But it was just so inconclusive and everything so left up in the air, especially trying to finish senior year with all that in the backdrop, which is wild to me. Um, And then shortly after the Ivy League canceled all their sporting events is when the NBA, you know, postponed their season and everyone else really started following suit. At first, NCAA was going to do no fans, but then just end up canning the whole thing. Which brings us pretty much to present day, when now campuses and whatnot are talking about reopening. And I don't know. I don't know. Part of me thinks this whole plan of come to campus and just do it online is just so that the universities can still charge room and board. Yeah. And I'm sad. I'm sad that that's that's their priority and on top of that for brown at least a lot of the classes are small so you can still have them in person because they're like 20 people or less so maybe that's still still on the horizon um but clearly i won't be in college next semester (laughs) your girl graduated
0: oh and speaking (laughs) on that a little shout out to your girl because my my dog got a new job as an nbc news analyst shout out to you talk to him nice you know what i'm saying (laughs)
1: appreciate you thank you thank you yeah
0: but nah yeah i definitely agree as far as like the room and board thing uh it's just like as that like if it was all only about public health uh and like only about just ensuring the safety of everyone involved then i definitely think there would be no like people in person anywhere but it's just Mm -hmm. like the fact that the world is just like money makes everything go so they Mm -hmm. they're really just trying to they already took a big hit not being able to finish up the spring semester and stuff like that, and especially, like, because I know a lot of schools do a lot of big events and stuff to end the semester. Like, at Yale, mm-hmm. we do, like, a spring fling, and that usually brings in, I'm sure, like, hella money for the school and stuff like that. So Yeah, same. They same. Just So with all that, they're like, I, we need our money. So I definitely think it's more an economic per- like economic issue versus, like, people, them worrying about, getting students access to wi-fi or like helping mental health by providing them with like people i don't think it's really about none of that i really think it's just about the money aspect of things but we'll see and it'll be interesting to see just like when when once everybody gets back to campus and stuff like that like what happens if slash when that like first case comes out or something like that like how how are they gonna address that are people gonna all gonna just have to leave immediately or is there gonna be a transition period like I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's going to be weird.
1: Yeah. And I don't think I realized before now that students were the main revenue source for universities. I always thought it was donors or private funding. But the fact that they're saying, oh, we're going to be, you know, underwater if we don't charge room and board or you know, the tuition refunds we just can't do because we'll be in a fiscally unhealthy situation. And I'm not buying it because we go to schools with endowments worth literally billions. Yeah. (laughs) Like Literally, maybe not billions, but definitely millions. Um, and especially how everyone has rallied around <laughs> fighting the virus, alumni are probably that much more incentivized to donate. Yeah. And the fact that the university is still like clinging to its purse, like it's just about to lose everything, seems ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah. Nah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I disagree. Like I can't even say much. Yeah. Like, it's just. It's a mess of a situation, honestly. Like, people are just down bad. And, like, I mean, I, I understand because, like, you want to make this money. But, like, what you were saying exactly, like, especially these higher schools and, like, schools of high esteem or whatever like that that have billions of dollars in endowment. Like, you're running a corporation at that point? And so, you're, like, basically yeah. you're saying that the success of your corporation and, like, the profit that you're looking to get is more important than, like, the health of your consumers who are like the students or whatever. So for sure, this this is a problematic situation overall.
1: Yeah. So as of July 29th, there have been more than 4 million COVID-19 cases confirmed in the United States alone. And there have been more than 150,000 deaths. And there this past week, there's been so many lawsuits between variety of parties namely i don't know if you heard about this already but the naacp sued the department of education are you familiar with this no, i didn't even hear about that what happened okay so apparently in march when congress passed the cares bill the two trillion dollar coronavirus relief package allocated 13.2 billion dollars specifically to public schools and even more specifically for Title I, also known as low-income or low-wealth students. So DeVos's plan was, okay, well, no. So Congress originally said, we acknowledge that there are low-income students at private schools too, so money can be allocated to said schools in a direct ratio for how many Title I low-income students they have, right? Okay. And not more than that because it's already a wealthy, rich school and most of the students will be wealthy. But what DeVos decided to do, she said that that was unjust and that it should be a 50-50 split between public and private schools, regardless of how many Title I students they have. Mm. And so the NAACP was like, no, that's actually illegal. (laughs) And it's literally taking money away from borderline failing school districts already in low-income situations that are already fiscally unhealthy and all of this and giving it to what's essentially rich white kids. That's a mess. It's a whole mess, right? And I, th- <laughs> I think this is one of the many examples of how corona has really surfaced so many structural, structural issues. Yeah. Education being one of them, yes, but also like healthcare and and um, what's the word? Access to insurance and like all these different things that white people have been denying for so long. Like, why don't you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just go get a job and just go do this and that? And now it's undeniable to the point where I think a lot of white people have actually realized, wow, this country is trash for black people. Maybe I should do something about it. Yeah. No, nah, it's crazy. Like that in comparison and
0: like even you were saying like it is just exposing stuff and like for so at school we did uh, um, a partnership like uh, we called it Chromes for Kids and we did like a Chromebook fundraiser. Um, So we like raised money mm-hmm. through donations to uh, I was like with the Black Men's Union uh, with the local chapters of the of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated and Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated, and, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity incorporated. but... Um, yeah.
1: Wait, are you a Kappa or an Alpha? No, I'm not. Got gotcha. you. No, yeah, it was
0: just, like, the way I got involved was, like, through the Black Men's Union. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because, like, we did it in partnership with them. But, uh, basically, we were just raising money. So, like, we raised money. I think we raised, like, a little over, like, $6,500 or something like that and donated it to Ooh. um get Chromebooks and stuff, but... Like with that, yeah. it's like even before COVID, like these kids still needed Chromebooks. Like, why is it so? Right. Why is it something that it took such a global pandemic for people to realize? Like, technology access, especially like in today's society and stuff. Like, having access to technology mm-hmm. is like, if you don't have access to technology, you can't function in today's society. Yes. it's right
1: up there with food, water, and shelter as far as basic needs. Yeah, like this is twenty twenty. Yeah, no. I also just think. Go ahead. Nah, no, you good? Go ahead. I, say, I think it's sad that so much of what we have gotten, like you're saying, y'all raise money for students to get Chromebooks. Like, we shouldn't even have to advocate for that basic thing. I hate that activism has taken the place of just the government supporting us in the most basic, fundamental ways as opposed to it being, like, reaching for the stars and having this wish list on everything that it should be and could be. Yeah, You know, it's just such low-hanging fruit to me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And
1: that was, it's interesting you bring
0: that up because we actually... We just had a teaching um, last Friday with the uh, mm-hmm. Black students for Disarmament at Yale. And so the point of the teaching was the focus on how basically Yale needs to uh, redistribute its funds to the New Haven community more because the New Haven community mm. like it takes so much money and like cords so much money away from the New Haven community that the community mm. could like use for actual programs. And so we did some uh, breakout rooms with some local organizations. and so one of them was Lowe's and Fishes New Haven which is, like, a, they are, like, a food pantry, and then they also provide clothing. But basically, the okay. director was there, and he was uh, kind of explaining what they do and stuff. And then, but he was, like, yeah, this is, at the end of the day, like, I would want the, I would want to be put out of a job by, like, the government coming in and providing a high enough level of assistance. He was, like, it shouldn't, like, take right. me as, and us, like, as an organization to go and provide the support because we, can't like physically provide enough for the sheer number of people right so like it's on the job of these bigger entities to come in and really help out and so it's definitely a frustrating thing to see like the level of just apathy and like level of disregard for certain communities and things like that yeah
1: but especially you know the non-taxpaying institutions, right? (laughs) There's no reason why in Providence, Brown is here as a central focal point for 250 plus years, yet the Providence public schools are near failing. Um, They don't really admit students from that school district. But Moses Brown and... um, What's the other one? Moses Brown and um, Wheeler, which are literally down the street, bring in like 20 or 30 kids per year. So I don't know. Brown definitely... And really, anyone, any school that is not paying taxes, which is all of them, needs to be doing more community outreach when we're, like, siphoning out from the rich, richest, elitist high um, high schools, the students that we want, without, like, pouring into the community and rebuilding the ones that actually need the funding and the resource and the pipeline programs. Yeah. Nah, going off that, like, what do you think about, like,
0: how do you see that tying into especially, like ivy league institutions uh especially like considering that a lot of times like people that go to ivy league schools like whatever region or area they go to like most of the time you're leaving there after your four years in undergrad to go somewhere Mm. else right so like how do you see that affecting how much the school itself needs to needs to be involved because like for me like i think with public schools and stuff not to say that this argument is valid and then even like some other like smaller private schools or things like that like not to say that they shouldn't do more community outreach because you can always, like, do more engagement with the community and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, there, like, there are certain schools where a portion of that is, even though they maybe don't do as many specific programs or something, there are, like, kids who end up staying in that area to do the jobs mm-hmm. that they, like, learn from. But at a lot of Ivy League schools, like, you're there for your four years and then you go and leave and go do whatever in, like, all these other parts of the country. So, like, what do you think about that? Yeah. I
1: think... Especially at Brown, where Providence is a nice transition city, we have like five universities in the city radius. So literally people come in four years later, they move out. I have to remind myself that people raise families here and actually live here. But regardless of having a new student body every four years, the university is still here. Right. The money is still here. The resources are still here. And there's definitely what I think are surface level community service programs on campus or tutoring Um, services that students go out into the city and tutor providence kids and all of that but i'm more so thinking of like a more tangible way where brown knows 20 miles away or five miles away there are hungry kids or um just all these different compounding effects because they live next to an incinerator so their lungs are trash which means they can't fight off covid if they were to contract it and they're living in a house with three generations piled in and there's not enough space in the two bedroom one bathroom just all of these things right that we read about and we hear about and is on the news and i'm sad to say i don't personally feel that the ivy league is connected enough to the communities in which they reside and teach and live but will teach us to go out and do the work right But they're not also meeting us in that same place. You know what I'm saying? They're not holding up their end of the bargain to these cities. And, yeah, my main answer is, like, they're here even if the students do graduate and move away.
0: Yeah. No, I agree 100% as far as, like, the school is not really getting involved. Like, a common thing at Yale is, like, everybody says the Yale bubble. And people just stay, like, locked in behind the Ivy Towers, of the school. So. Mm -hmm. how do we destruct that? Because like at the end of the day, yeah, it's an Ivy League school or whatever, but like it's still just it's it's just a school, and the people that go there are just people at the end of the day, and so it shouldn't yes, be yeah. such a large divide between the school and the like surrounding community. Like there's, I don't know, I just think there's so much more room for like collaboration and for like growth, and that like especially with being these Ivy League schools that have just taken up so much space in all these different cities mm. and things like that. Like it's not yeah. They it's not like these schools are just there and they like mind their own business, but they're definitely like active like corporations that go out and like buy property and go out and do all these things but do it all under under the privilege of being tax exempt where they don't have to pay these taxes to go back to the city and back to the right state and so the, these schools are making
1: taxes that help the public school districts right yeah who would not otherwise be underfunded because they would have the money pra- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go ahead <laughs>
0: <Nah>, you good. <laughs> good but and then even with that they're like they make these like voluntary public donations right or whatever but then if you put mm-hmm. those in comparison to whatever their tax like hypothetically would be it's always like such a drastic difference and so it's like you can't even look to pay half of what you would have to pay in taxes or something like that you and then like you want to clap on the back if you increase it by like a million dollars or something like that but you're over here sitting on 30 billion dollars in your endowment so it's just it's a mess
1: yeah i definitely hear you i um so you were talking about how do we deconstruct the brown bubble or the yale bubble or the ivy league bubble in general First off, I just want to say the Ivy League is the biggest catfish I have ever come across. (laughs) I think before I came, it was this perception that everybody was ritzy ditzy and nose in the air and wearing khakis and sweater vests everywhere. And you get here and I've met some of the dumbest people in my life. alcoholics, drug dealers, like just all the things you see on Degrassi. Wait, do you know Degrassi? You a 2000s, baby, right? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, like all the things you see on Degrassi and I'm like, wow, this is actually not at all what the world seems to think it is. So I just want to put that out there. We should definitely talk about that another time. Um, but as far as committing more money to the public schools, from like in the cities that these universities are in very ironically so brown finally fulfills a 10 million dollar pledge to providence public schools 13 years after like all the conversation started which i definitely think COVID 19 has been an impetus for that Yeah, and 10 million dollars is not enough long overdue and comes short but at the same time is it is it just money that we're after, as far as supporting schools? Because I could also see, you know, brown professors going to teach, you know, lending a hand where necessary because it's also a teaching shortage right now because teachers get paid pennies. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I think it. I think it extends past money. I think, but I think money is like, money is the first step, and then all these other things will follow. Because like, if, True. if you're willing to give money, then like. Then you may set up a program where you're giving money to this school, right? And then, but that money is like designated for a specific brown professor to maybe go and teach a class yeah. or something like that. So, but it still like comes back to that money because I mean, at the end of the day, I just don't think there's going to be that many professors um, that are going to just want to go teach at the local high school just out of the kindness of their heart or something like that. And right? Because like, exactly. I mean, half of them don't even be wanting to teach college students these Oh Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Retweet. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think it all just ties back to the money, but I think it goes way past that as far as, like, what are what are programs you could put in place, even if it's not, like, bringing professors. Like, Ivy League schools have so many resources and have so many funds and have mm-hmm. access to so many different um, people, basically, just because based off the names and stuff like that. So what are yeah. programs you could set up where, like, let's get a group of 25 high schoolers to come two days a week to the school and engage in this leadership development or educational development program or something like there's just so many yeah. different things you can do with that but it all comes back to the idea of like how much money are we willing to slide towards this cause or this initiative
1: yeah no the green is definitely the bottom line and I don't know I've been thinking a lot about your question of deconstructing the bubble and how much of that is on students versus on the administration and the university itself because right now it's the students doing the legwork and walking or taking the bus into the city. Whereas like yes, we have the brown pedigree behind us and the training and everything, but it, it doesn't come off as genuine because we're just representatives of the university as opposed to the actual head and leadership that could be doing that same work. Yeah. So I like your idea of like having a group of kids come to campus or like having some of uh, campus people go out to them. I'm all about spending Ivy League money, so <laughs> let's continue to be in their pocketbooks
0: yeah no i think and like to just build a little bit off what you were just saying i definitely think it's really necessary to make it something reciprocal in a sense because i think a lot of times also with uh money and like with ivy league uh schools at least in my experience with yale and stuff like with engagement in the uh community it's oftentimes just purely based on like a service perspective or like the idea like they need us to come out and do this service to the community or something like that. And I think while it's important to go out and serve, I also think like that it's equally important to just build community and build relationship and like show that it's really not Mm -hmm. just a, um, just a like, it's not for a new Haven community member, example at Yale, like for a new Haven community member, it's not solely just a privilege for the, them to like be able to, meet a Yale student or talk with a Yale faculty or something like it's also a privilege for the Yale faculty or the Yale students to be able to talk with them because at the end of the day like it's two people and like everybody has their own lives and experiences and just different things that they bring to the table and so I think it's really important to emphasize that idea that um relationships are always mutual and the more that you always like try to make it seem one-sided or one directed in the sense of like I'm always the one doing this service or support or something Mm -hmm. like that I think that just inherently always leads to uh, imbalance in, like, power or in, like, power dynamics.
1: Mm. Yeah, reciprocity is definitely the foundation of everything, because otherwise it comes off as taking advantage of the other party, which it, right now is the current situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nah, I agree. I agree.
1: Oh, man. Mm. Shall we talk about Miss Rona and Black Communities?
0: Yeah, we can get into that real quick for a little bit. I think,
1: I don't know, like, I mean, first and foremost, like,
0: it's just, it has affected black and brown communities, so, like, at a disproportionate rate, and I think that's just exactly what we were saying before about how it's, like, exacerbating uh, pre-existing issues and conditions, because, like, these, like, black people have a higher risk for asthma and, like, other uh, reasons, and other, like, pre-existing health conditions because of, like living living situations and like environmental racism and stuff like that and so Mm -hmm. i think it's really just a highlight of like the disparities present and then like also like black people are um more highly represented and having to do different service jobs and stuff like that and so like increasing your exposure or like potential to exposure and things like that and so i think it's just really like to me it's just really tied back to what we were talking about before about how corona itself has like highlighted or made it more evident some of the disparities that have always like been a f- present and affected the Black community. Yeah
1: and even when we were talking last week about Brianna Taylor being an EMT and literally on the front lines and that's the story for a lot of um, Black people who have those service jobs as you were saying right like cashiers, EMTs, nurses, CNAs, all these things where they can't afford to take off work because they're an essential worker. Yeah. Who knows where they're living in proximity to incinerators, landfills, chemical waste plants? And studies show that typically those always reside in non-white neighborhoods, aka where we live. Yeah. And then thirdly, trying to make sense of all of this, right? This Miss Rona, everything, while trying to protest freaking George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and just unnecessary killings by cops. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a yeah. Lot going on
1: right now. There's always so much going on, but now it just seems so uh, inflated, you know. Yeah,
0: it's definitely and like especially, um, in like April, May type time when, uh, everything was like, in the huge like national attention and everything like that. And that's not to say it's right that like people mm-hmm. aren't in conversation about it right now, but like especially during then, like it was just there was mad people were just like trying to reach out and check in with each other and be like, oh, like how are you doing? Cause like life was just hard as like a black person uh it's just like yeah everything seemed to be like whatever could go wrong just seemed to be going wrong and so it's just mm-hmm. draining in the sense of like you always have to deal with that And i know it's like weighs heavy on a lot of people's like mental to have to like work through that all the time and then even with that yeah you're supposed to like you're expected to work through all that and then continue to do all of the work yeah. you're already doing and not show any of that uh difficulties that you're working through mm. and so it's like this false strength that is um that's difficult to just like continue to show to people and to continue to put on yeah. and so I definitely think there's like a big necessity to just recognize that and acknowledge that and then also tell people like it's okay to not be okay because there's just a lot yeah. going on right now and even when corona
1: first like made it big in March. I did not think it was that serious or that it would last this long, but here we are in August, right? And it continues to be a conversation as do the protest and like federal agents being dispatched to Portland and just all this nonsense on top of the already ridiculous state of the country right now. And one of the things I love, one of the things that I love, love, love about black people is the strength and resilience it's incomparable to anything. That's literal vibranium right there. I wish we could we could siphon it out of each other and really go start a wakanda and leave this nonsense. But <laughs> nah our ancestors built it so we can't go nowhere. But we're gonna have to reclaim it because as it stands, it's not it's not
0: it. Yeah, no nah, it's definitely not it. But I think I mean that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Planted never buried. So I think and especially like exactly what you were just saying, like that strength, that resilience, like it's it's not it, but I think it's become more and more of a conversation and Corona has helped with that to show that, to like emphasize and really focus that it's not it. And people are more willing to try to make steps towards changing that. And so it's really just about building that momentum and like continuing to uh, grow that. And and even it's just like, it's, like, yeah, this fight has been going on for so long, and people have been struggling, and it's really, like, it seems like things are only, like, incremental gains and stuff like that. But then it's like, yeah, you still you just still got to keep hope and keep faith. And I think that's where, like, a lot of, I guess, my faith comes in. And, like, I actually just watched a sermon earlier um, mm-hmm. about, and it was called, it was uh, from Michael Todd, and it was a couple years ago, but it was called Bamboo Season. And basically the mm, point of that. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so the point of that is, like, it takes three years for Bamboo To grow underground, but then uh, once it starts to sprout and like go above ground, it can grow two inches every hour. And so it's like Mm. maybe this long, long, long time of fight has been like it's all been for God's will to like lead up to this to some moment where there can be this um, breakthrough that leads to like rapid and accelerated just growth and like gains. And so I think to be able to hope for that and to be able to look forward to that and know that there is something bigger in, at work. So I think that's something that can really drive people forward and continue to like mm-hmm. inspire people to keep working at things, even when it may seem like you're not getting anywhere.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up God because you know the classic question whenever things go bad is, why is God allowing this to happen? Or why did God bring this? Or did God start the pandemic on purpose? And all these different things that question our faith and God's motives and what God is doing.
0: What do you think on any of that? Yeah, I think um something that, like, was told to me a little while ago that, like, really stuck with me is, like, God doesn't do bad things, but God allows bad things when they're necessary, in a sense. So, like, in the sense, like, God, like, all things that God does, that, yeah, God does are good. And, like, like, the scripture says, like all like, he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him, right? And so I think mm-hmm. God allows for... But in the same sense, like, I don't think, especially because, like, we have the fall and everything, right? So, like, God, like, the world is sin-filled. And because of that, like, we live in a sinful world. And so there are just certain things that are going to happen that God, like, if he wanted to stop it, he could. But then what would we learn from that? And, like, how would we grow from that? And the whole point of it is, like, like, it ties back to the idea of, like, some people, I think some people just think that, like, salvation is just, like, you have to do a certain amount of things like right or good to get into heaven. And like, to me, it's not that yeah. like, it's like, if I confess that God is my Lord and my savior and that Jesus died on the cross to like redeem me of my sins, then, then I'm good. And that like, but that's like the bare minimum of like where I want to end up. And so I think that's like the same thing as far as like God allowing bad things to happen. Like God lets the bad things happen to allow people to learn how to deal with them and like grow with that in order to, to be better, because, like, at the end of the day, struggle and, like, strife produces excellence, and so I think in order for us to continue to develop those things are necessary, like, do I think that, like, do I wish and, like, think that it was, like, God, like, killing all these people from the pandemic or something like that, like, no, I don't think that at all, and, like, I feel sorry and, like, send my prayers and condolences to all families who have lost someone to that, or, like, just to anything in general, really, but I think, like, that sometimes uh, we try to we try to make life out to be easier than it's really supposed to be. Like I think challenge is just supposed to naturally be a part of our life. Oh, that
1: was smart. That was yeah. Not- okay. Pastor King service. to service. <laughs> nah. I, um, so I, I agree that it's not a transactional thing. If I do this many good deeds, then I'll get into heaven. It definitely is more of a, a journey of development and spiritual growth and all that. But the whole motto of, you know, I'm going to tear you down and let you stay so low so that you learn how to grow and you learn something out of it on the other end. If it was anyone else, we would cancel them, right? We would say, (laughs) this person is unhealthy for me. Like, where are the boundaries? I don't feel like I need to be so low to the ground in order to, to remember that feeling once I make it out. And yet somehow that's the same thing, at least I say, and what you just said, when it comes to the goodness of God and how he'll see you through the struggle and the other end will be better than it was now. That's just... I don't know.
0: It's kind of crazy, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it is, but, like, I mean, at the end of the day, God's ways are different than the ways of man. and so I there's, like, there's certain things for me, and this, this is just the way I look at the world, but, like, there are certain things for me that I just, like, I'm not supposed to understand or control. I'm just supposed to, like, walk in it through faith, and so that's just how I try to go about it, really, but I definitely, like, feel you in the sense of, like, this is crazy, this is wild, but, I mean, like, like I mean, my man Joe, like, went through the gamut three times over Mm. and still made it out on the better side with more than he had before. So if he could do that, then like, I don't know. I just feel like we could, we can, we can make it through whatever.
1: Do you think suffering is the only way to whatever it is as far as success or having more or happiness, whatever?
0: Um, I don't think necessarily suffering is the only way for something, but I think suffering allows you to appreciate the good times more and so like i mean suffering is like such Mm, a charged word um but like i mean people are suffering so like it's a good word to use but i think yeah suffering makes you so much more appreciative of the things like that you have and it even like improves perspective and like so like even so for example i tore my acl in high school um twice Mm. and so through that like that was a traumatic moment right and so I like suffered through that injury like a lot of times people say yeah. you suffered an injury right so then with that like I during my recovery process like I became appreciative of the ability to walk and so but that's something right. I and after I learned how to walk when I was what two years old or whatever like that's something mm-hmm. I never appreciated before until then and so like it just really forces you I think it's all about like perspective and like forcing you to reconsider things and uh look at things from a different eye
1: yeah i've torn my acl too so i hear you on the relearning to walk and just being grateful to stand up and have your hands again because the crutches i think that's the worst part you don't even have your hands because you're using the crutches or at least i did i um i do think that after the rain and the rainbow comes you can see where god was all along the way like you were never alone and that for me has also been the best part as well like dang god i really thought i was sitting alone but there you were the whole time yeah. and i just didn't realize it until after the fact and that coming of age or like growing into myself has been probably the best experience of my life you know besides being born <laughs> but I, I don't particularly remember that part as well as this newer stuff
0: yeah nah i feel you yeah it's just i don't know god is just God is good all the time and all the time God mm. is good so it's just God is good uh, even when it doesn't seem good and when things like don't seem to be working I know he works he's working everything together and that like he has plans for us to prosper um and so it's just giving that up to him and trusting in what happens after mm-hmm.
1: and you know the bible says can I testify <laughs> you could testify a
0: little bit on um, pastor Richardson so
1: the bible says uh no weapon formed against us shall prosper. prosper. It's a good thing it didn't say it would never come. It just said it won't work. It won't so, work Corona ain't working. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going, to, Y'all going to campus? It'll be good. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you were saying earlier as far as at the beginning of this, checking in and seeing how mental health was doing for their friends and blah, blah, blah. How are you doing? What are you doing to take care of Jalen?
0: Uh, to take care of Jalen, I would say my, like, uh, mental health strategy isn't probably the best for everybody. But I just, like, I don't know. I just like to stay busy. I like to stay engaged. I like to just, like, stay, trying to, like, be involved in uh, different things. And so that's 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 what I've been doing. And I've also just been trying mm-hmm. to spend more time with God. Honestly, like, over uh, COVID, I've, like, started to – I've, like, been able to start reading my Bible more consistently and, like, watching sermons, like, almost daily and, like, things like that. And so that's, like, allowed me mm-hmm. to work on – uh, just being more appreciative of the moment and things like that. And so, just trying to find like a big thing for me is just trying to find little things to be thankful of every day, even when like things seem wrong or things seem bad, things seem flawed. Like, there are still so many things that I have to be grateful for and appreciative of. And so, that's that's what I that's that's like my go to fallback is just like always remembering what I have to be grateful for that other people don't. So, that's my go to. What's what's what about you? What's your mental health strategy?
1: So I've just been captivated by August Alsina's new album. It's so good. I'm so sad that the scandal has completely overshadowed the fire music that he made. But I'm listening to that. And also earlier I was listening to um, It Keeps Happening for Me by Ciara Sheard. Mm. And I just felt every line of it. It was um, like, I trust you with my future. You're connecting me with people who push me into purpose. Which is literally how the NBC opportunity came about. So I don't know. I'd like when there's a song that represents where I'm at in life, and that one definitely is it. Yeah. And then other than that, I normally run like 10 miles a week. So if that means anything to you, True. it helps. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it helps a lot.
0: Physical health is wealth.
1: Mm, that's crazy. That sounds like a Joel Osteen line. <laughs> He be doing that matchy matchy
0: business. <laughs> I'm screaming! I'm screaming! Uh, oh word! I Guys, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Word. Cool, cool, cool. Word. Well, it was good to chat with you, Miss Richardson. Appreciate the time.
1: Likewise. <laughs> Always a pleasure.
0: Uh, have fun at the beach tomorrow. Enjoy your
1: Appreciate you.
0: Stay safe. I got a good
1: I got a good book It's about to be lit. And yeah, I will.
0: Keep your social distance, you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, I'll talk to you.
0: Alright, bye bye.